Welcome to the Freedom Maker Podcast with Tyler Jordan, where every day we take one more step on the road towards freedom. This is episode 23, reacting to Jeff Bezos' last shareholder letter, part 3. This is part 3 of me reacting to Jeff Bezos' last shareholder letter. I decided to do a series of reaction episodes because of three things. One, Jeff Bezos is one of the greatest entrepreneurs of all time. Two, his shareholder letters since his first one in 1997 have been extremely consistent. And that is extremely significant for me because uh, these two years has been a huge change in my belief systems and how I view the world to have a working worldview for, that has worked for 20 years, close to 30 years, is clairvoyant. It's, it's a hallmark of a true visionary. And I think there's a lot to learn from that. And finally, three, this will be his last shareholder letter as the CEO of Amazon. While the first part of the shareholder letter focused on the numbers side of things, the second part was focused about how Amazon was being a force for good. Here are my key takeaways. One, even though Amazon won against the union in uh, Alabama by a huge margin, Jeff Bezos isn't particularly satisfied and instead shifts the focus to having a vision for their employees' success. Two, uh, Amazon rejects media's claims on mistreating employees by stating that 94% of the fulfillment center employees would actually recommend Amazon to a friend as a place to work. And that there are informal breaks in addition to the 30-minute lunch and 30-minute break built into the normal schedule so workers are not always uh, are not forced to pee in bottles. Number three, in addition to being Earth's most customer-centric company, Amazon also aims to be two more things. Earth's best employer and Earth's safest place to work. One such example is this from 2019 to 2020. Overall, MSDs or musculoskeletal disorders, uh, work-related injuries decreased by 32% through the use of AI to rotate employees among jobs that use different muscle tendon groups to decrease repetitive motion and help protect employees from MSD risks. And finally, keeping with the $15 per hour minimum wage starting pay has resulted in a 4.7 increase in the average hourly wage among other employers in the same labor market. If you'd like the detailed explanation, head over to our previous episode, episode 22. So now let's continue with the third and final part of the shareholder letter. The Climate Pledge. In an earlier draft of this letter, I started this section with arguments and examples designed to demonstrate that human-induced climate change is real. But, bluntly, I think we can stop saying that now. You don't have to say what that photosynthesis is real or make the case that gravity is real or that water boils at 100 degrees Celsius at sea level. These things are simply true, as is the reality of climate change. Not long ago, many, most people believed that it would be good to address climate change, but they also thought it would cost a lot and would threaten jobs, competitiveness and economic growth. We now know better. 
Smart action on climate change will not only stop bad things from happening, it will also make our economy more efficient, help drive technolog- technological change and reduce risks. Combined, these can lead to more and better jobs, healthier and happier children, more productive workers and a more prosperous future. This doesn't mean it will be easy. It won't be. The coming decade will be decisive. An economy in 2030 will need to be vastly different from what it is today and Amazon plans to be at the heart of that change. We launched the Climate Pledge together with Global Optimism in September 2019 because we wanted to help drive this positive revolution. We need to be part of a growing team of corporations that understand the imperatives and the opportunities of the 21st century. Now, less than two years later, 53 companies representing almost every sector of the economy have signed the Climate Pledge. Signatories such as Best Buy, IBM, Infosys, Mercedes-Benz, Microsoft, Siemens, Siemens and Verizon have committed to achieve net zero carbon in their worldwide businesses by 2040, 10 years ahead of the Paris Agreement. The pledge also requires them to measure and report greenhouse gas emissions on a regular basis, implement decarbonization strategies through real business changes and innovations, and neutralize any remaining emissions with additional, quantifiable, real, permanent, and socially beneficial offsets. Credible, quality offsets are precious, and we should reserve them to compensate for economic activities for where low-carbon alternatives don't exist. The Climate Pledge signatories are making meaningful, tangible and ambitious commitments. Uber has a goal of operating as a zero-emission platform in Canada, Europe and the US by 2030, and Henkel plans to source 100% of the electricity it uses for production from renewable resources. Amazon is making progress toward our goal of 100% renewable energy by 2025, five years ahead of our initial 2030 target. Amazon is the largest corporate buyer of renewable energy in the world. We have 62 utility-scaled wind and solar projects and 125 solar rooftops on fulfillment and sort centers around the globe. These projects have the capacity to generate over 6.9 gigawatts and deliver more than 20 million megawatt hours of energy annually. Transportation is a major component of Amazon's business operations and the toughest part of our plan to meet net zero carbon by 2040. To help rapidly accelerate the market for electric vehicle technology and to help all companies transition to greener technologies, we invested more than a billion dollars in Rivian and ordered 100,000 electric delivery vans from the company. We've also partnered with Mahindra in India and Mercedes-Benz in Europe. These custom electricity, electric delivery vehicles from Rivian are already operational and they hit, they first hit the road in Los Angeles this past February. 10,000 new vehicles will be on the road as early as next year and all 100,000 vehicles will be on the road by 2030, saving millions of metric tons of carbon. The big reason we want to join the Climate Pledge is to signal to the marketplace that businesses 
should start inventing and developing new technologies that signatories need to make good on the pledge. Our purchase of 100,000 Rivian electric vans is a perfect example. To further accelerate investment in new technologies needed to build a zero-carbon economy, we introduced the Climate Pledge Fund last June. The investment program started with $2 billion to invest in visionary companies that aim to facilitate the transition to a low-carbon economy. Amazon has already announced investments in carbon cure technologies, Pachama, Redwood Materials, Rivian, Turntide Technologies, Zero Avia, and Infinium. And these are just some of the innovative companies we hope we will build the zero carbon economy of the future. I have also personally allocated $10 billion to provide grants to help catalyze the systemic change we will need in the upcoming decade. We'll be supporting leading scientists, activists, NGOs, environmental justice organizations, and others working to fight climate change and protect the natural world. Late last year, I made my first round of grants to 16 organizations working on innovative and needle-moving solutions. It's going to take collective action from big companies, small companies, nation-states, global organizations, and individuals, and I'm excited to be part of this journey and optimistic that humanity can come together to solve this challenge. All right, uh, quite a bit, quite a bit to react to and analyze here. Uh, well, depending on which part of the world you're from, uh, climate change as much as I can tell, it's getting more and more real. We can't ignore it as much as last time. Right? We have had more forest fires, more droughts, more extreme weather, more heavy flooding. Um, yes, and uh, the, extinction, the extinction rate is not slowing down, right? Of the species of flora and fauna, it's not slowing down. Um, the first... The first thing when uh, that came to my mind when Amazon said, hey, uh, we are going to pledge zero emissions. My first uh, reaction when I was reading it two days back was, hey, what about Amazon's planes? As it turns out, Amazon has a fleet of 77 Boeing 767s uh, planes. So it's uh, 55 of which are in service. So having 55 planes and having them being all electric is quite i don't know it's quite quite a uh quite a stretch right but no if you've picked up on the uh on the companies they have partnered up with that list starting with carbon cure technologies it ends with zero avia so a quick search for zero avia is a UK-based company that, uh, whose mission is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable a- aviation. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, what they, their process right, is renewable, renewably powered hydrogen electric aviation. So, uh, previous experiments have been something like attaching solar panels to the wings of the plane so that they can charge and and still uh, propelled through the air. Now, this, this, is too, um, this is too optimistic. It's not, um, it's not practical as of now with our current technologies and with the current 
efficiency of solar panels, right? So, uh, how how does Zero Avia do it? So they get their electricity. They first source electricities from wind farm, right? Uh, which is renewable and solar panels, right? Solar energy, which is renewable. These two sources will of of renewable energy will power their hydrogen electrolyzer. So if you've done um, basic high school chemistry, uh, could have uh, come up with the term electrolysis where, you know, you have a solution in a beaker container, right? And then you put two terminals one positively charged called the cathode and then the other one negatively charged the anode and you pass a current through that liquid right through the solution what happens is that the solutions becomes electrolyzed in the sense that the ions the negative ions get on one side the positive ions get on the other side and in some cases uh you might get gases released or solids uh forming on the cathodes or anodes so, what are we trying to electrolyze here? We're trying to electrolyze water, which is extremely abundant. So, water is H2O, two parts hydrogen, one part water. What happens when you do a, uh, when you electrolyze, when you, you put water through electrolysis, is that you get two products. One is hydrogen gas, the other is oxygen gas, right? So, uh, you get two parts of hydrogen gas, H2, and one part of oxygen gas, O2. So you take all that hydrogen gas, and then you pump that, you freeze that, I think, you freeze that, so it becomes liquid hydrogen, and then you put it into the, the plane's hydrogen tank, which uh, if you if you release and, if you release and uh, go through a process of combustion, which is to burn it, if you burn it, it fuels uh, the zero avia powertrain uh, so what are the byproducts here what happens when you burn hydrogen it's extremely clean the byproducts are water vapor just water vapor how convenient right you put hydrogen and oxygen together again ha huh, you get water so it's really elegant when you have water you hydro you electrolyze it to become you separate h2o into h2 and o2 and then you burn the h2 again to get H2O again. It's extremely clean, right? Uh, efficiency is key. So um, if you go on their website, what happens is uh, you will see their powertrain timeline. By 2023, they are looking at a uh, their first commercial offering where they have a plane about 10 to 20 seats that can actually have 500 nautical miles. Now, it might seem short, but uh, it might seem short and uh, and can be very limiting in helping with reducing carbon emissions for the world. But so far, their research suggests that half of all emissions are stem from flights that are under 1,000 miles. So being able to cover 500 miles is pretty good, right? I think the if they hit their 2026 target, which is 1,000 nautical miles, 50 to 100 seats is really where they will get real traction right so this is this can be exciting uh from amazon's 77 planes uh you know changing to zero avia pretty interesting so the next thing that uh 
that I'm looking at, I'm paying a lot of attention to is their investment in electric vehicle technology, specifically Rivian, right? And not Tesla. So if you are, uh, of course, Tesla would be a better fit, but because of the rivalry between Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon does not really invest in Tesla, right? <laughs> it's the battle of the billionaires, right? The battle of the people, uh, the the individuals, the tech giants who've, you know, they've had their fun, they've had their houses, they have, they've, they've, they've had money, they've made it money, they've made it in, um, in their companies, they made it in their careers. Now they just, you know, just want to duke it out. So, uh, pretty amazing. I am personally looking forward. I hope this will help with. Uh, e-commerce in general because uh, we are pushing a lot of products we are pushing a lot of uh, we are moving a lot of uh, boxes worldwide right we have e-commerce has probably caused a, a spike in in uh, disposable waste very much uh, I mean if you order something from Amazon you order something small it comes in the box but you know when you open it up you see a lot of bags right all that plastic where is it going to you know, if it ends up in the ocean, it's really bad, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, very much. Um, this is where Amazon gets a little bit more personal, right? A billion dollars in Rivian and not Tesla. All right, we will move on. Differentiation is survival and the universe wants you to be typical. This is my last annual shareholder letter as, as the CEO of Amazon and I have one last thing of utmost importance I feel compelled to teach. I hope all Amazonians take it to heart. Here is a passage from Richard Dawkins' extraordinary, extraordinary book, The Blind Watchmaker. It's about a basic fact of biology. Staving off death is a thing that you have to work at. Left to itself, and that is what it is when it dies, the body tends to revert to a state of equilibrium with its environment. If you measure some quantities such as the temperature, the acidity, the water content, or the electrical potential in the living body, you will typically find that it is markedly different from the corresponding measure in the surroundings. Our bodies, for instance, are usually hotter than our surroundings, and in cold climates, they have to work hard to maintain the differential. When we die, the work stops. The temperature, the temperature differential starts to disappear and we end up the same temperature as our surroundings. Not all animals work so hard to avoid coming into equilibrium with their surrounding temperature, but all animals do some comparable work. For instance, in a dry country, animals and plants work to maintain the fluid content of their cells, work against a natural tendency for water to flow from them into the dry outside world. If they fail, they die. More generally, if living things didn't work actively to prevent it, they would eventually merge into their surroundings and cease to exist as autonomous beings. That is what happens when they die. While the passage is not intended as a metaphor, it's nevertheless a fantastic one and very relevant to Amazon. I would argue that it's relevant to all companies and all institutions and to each of our individual lives too. In what ways does the world pull, that, pull at you in an attempt to make you normal? 
How much work does it take to maintain your distinctiveness, to keep alive the thing or things that make you special? I know a happily married couple who have a running joke in their relationship. Not infrequently, the husband looks at the wife with fall distress and says to her, can't you just be normal? They both smile and laugh and of course, the deep truth is that her distinctiveness is something he loves about her. But at the same time, it's also true that things would often be easier, take less energy if we were a little more normal. This phenomenon happens at all scale levels. Democracies are not normal. Tyranny is the historical norm. If we stopped doing all of the continuous hard work that is needed to maintain our distinctiveness in that regard, we would quickly come into equilibrium with tyranny. We all know that distinctiveness, originality, is valuable. We are all taught to be yourself. What I'm really asking you to do is to embrace and be realistic about how much energy it takes to maintain that distinctiveness. The world wants you to be typical in a thousand ways. It pulls at you. Don't let that. Don't let it happen. You have to pay a price for your distinctiveness and it's worth it. The fairy tale version of be yourself is all is that all the pain stops as soon as you allow your distinctiveness to shine. That version is misleading. Being yourself is worth it, but don't expect it to be easy or free. You'll have to put energy into it continuously. The world will always try to make Amazon more typical, to bring us into equilibrium with our environment. It will take continuous effort, but we can and must be better than that. As always, I attach our 1997 shareholder letter. It concluded with this. We at Amazon.com are grateful to our customers for their business and trust to each other for our hard work and to our shareholders for their support and encouragement. This hasn't changed a bit. I want to especially thank Andy Jazzy for agreeing to take on the CEO role. It's a hard job with a lot of responsibility. Andy is brilliant and has the highest of high standards. I guarantee you that Andy won't let the universe make us typical. He will master the energy needed to keep us alive, keep alive in us what makes us special. That won't be easy, but it is critical. I also predict it will be satisfying and oftentimes fun. Thank you, Andy. To all of you, be kind, be original, create more than you consume, and never, never, never let the universe smooth you into your surroundings. It remains day one. Sincerely, Jeff Jeffrey P. Bezos, Founder and Chief Executive Officer, Amazon.com, Inc. So, uh, this is very much... Uh, very typical of a of a way for a leader to to close his or her message or or, or sign off right with something inspirational right it's like the kind of cliffhangers we see in movies or like when you know when um people give their last speech right they want to be remembered well they want to be uh they want to bring or communicate bring forth 
a timeless timeless ideal right which is the essence of survival and uh, being which is to differentiate yourself which is to maintain some kind of uh which is to fight against entropy right (laughs) for all you um physics people out there so um very much to me it's like a paraphrase okay it sounds very much like a um what do you call it uh um it's very much like a graduation ceremony it's like a it's like a um graduation ceremony for college students right where you know you give you give a keynote you give a speech to all the students who've graduated um commencement commencement speech right it's a commencement speech um type where the the billionaire will will tell you follow your dreams right be yourself which is (laughs) a huge paraphrase okay but Jeff Bezos, well, true. Um, he he does strike his balance, right? Uh, and I appreciate that. Where he says, uh, you have to pay a price, for your distinctiveness. Yeah, and um, he says it's worth it. Hmm. Uh, he says, uh, we have to, we have to put in energy to remain distinct. Now, uh. If you've uh, listened to my personal story, uh, to follow your, it's fine to follow your, it's fine to follow your, uh, to be yourself, uh, whether your passion can become your career, I'm quite skeptical already, I'm, I'm quite skeptical because of my experience, okay, uh, my, if, if you didn't know, my passion, my passion is with classical piano, so for a couple of years, Right, I have been teaching and performing as a classical pianist, right, as a music teacher. So, uh, it's very hard to, uh, gain any sort of financial freedom as a as a classical musician, in you know today twenty 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 one. It's very hard. It's very hard, right. Uh. We can go into that in a later episode. Uh, few, few. Uh, let let's do a maybe let's do an episode where you know we play both sides because I don't because while, um, we all kind of know in our heads that, typically. Um, classical mu- musicians, right? Musicians, in the classical sense, aren't the wealthiest. Last time I checked, Lang Lang, Lang Lang's net worth. Is about five million. It's about forty three million. Yeah, it's about forty three million dollars, and uh, the world's one of the world's best pianists, right? Is five million dollars, Martha Argerich. So. Um. Yeah, artists don't actually, like mu- classical musicians. We we don't actually have a huge emphasis on you know being on on the top, being a billionaire, but. But, in. In today's world, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to have any choice, right? It's hard to be, to be responsible to live responsibly, you know. If you're selling away your your weekend time, uh, future family is not your future family is not going to be. You're not going to be there for your future family, right? So I had, I guess I had to I had to do make the transition, and I'm glad for e-commerce. I'm glad to have, to be in e-commerce. 
uh, to have the freedom of time to continue to develop myself, you know, to to grow to to work on podcasting for at least at least right. Um, thank you, you know, for my listeners. So uh yes, can we be ourselves? Yes, we should be ourselves. We should be ourselves, and and ultimately, sometime and ultimately, we need to be able to differentiate when we need to be able to tell the difference when when being ourselves right is you know when our passion can't be our career right yeah that that is something you know we i think jeff bezos is a little bit more more intentional with he says be yourself not follow your passion yeah totally appreciate that totally respect that and uh a little bit about andy jazzy he you know did um so he had his MBA, he joined, uh, and then he graduated with an MBA. He, did, he worked for about five years, uh, founded a company and closed it down, and then joined Amazon in 1997. In 2003, he and Jeff Bezos came up with the idea to create AWS, which was launch, launched in 2006. So since then, AWS has um dominated very much the uh, the scene the cloud computing space and now you know Andy Jazzy is CEO of Amazon I mean if you want to be an entrepreneur meaning you join the company and treat it as if it's yours you don't you don't necessarily want to shoulder the risk and f- and fi- find your found your own company and build your own company yeah uh, being an entrepreneur and being like Andy Jazzy is great. It's extremely good, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, very much, uh, I think Jeff Bezos has done a lot for Amazon as CEO. I hope uh, Amazon will continue its climb. And as always, right, it remains day one for Amazon. If you'd like to get a copy of all of Amazon shareholders from 1997 to 2020 in PDF format. Now, there's a total of 24 shareholder letters, right? If you'd like to get a copy of all 24 letters, drop me an email with subject line episode 23 to admin at com. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to share download or follow this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And I will see you in the next episode.